This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Breakdown. This is your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, coming at you. The recap of the Browns' exciting 20, only well, nearly 20 point, uh, 40 to 25 win in Baltimore at MT Bank Stadium. Um, we're riding high, man. This is, uh, this is unique. I'm going to be honest. I wrote the preview this week over at the OBR. If you did not get a chance, uh, to subscribe to the OBR. God, I really wish you would. Uh, we do a ton of good things over there. That's where I, uh, you know, that's my source of, um, you know, income for the work that I do. And if you appreciate the work that I do, I really appreciate you guys following along. Subscription prices are very fair, but myself and John Stevenson, um, who does a fantastic job on, um, you know, X and O content as a high school football coach himself, taking the year off, but God, he's a sharp defense in mind. We put together behind enemy lines every week, and uh, it's really good, and I thought we really laid out how to beat the Ravens, and the Browns did a lot of the things that we talked about, so it's uh, it's a good read if you if you like reading about upcoming opponents, and um, you know, not only listening to this podcast always provide you with some insight, but also listening, like I said, or sorry, reading about opponents, that's, uh, it's always a fun way to go about preparing, and I think we nailed it. I talked to John all day, and thought we did a nice job with what Cleveland would do if they were going to win this game. I honestly did not feel good going into it. I I did not feel like this was a game the Browns were prepared to win. It was one I thought the Ravens were going to take personal. And um, it didn't play out that way. It didn't play out that way for a multitude of reasons. Let's talk about that. Slow-moving first half. It seemed like it was going to be a, um, a low-scoring game. The Browns come out and score early. They, they do a nice job on that first possession. Sorry, second possession. First possession was three and out. They do a nice job on the second possession of spreading the football around. I, I noted during the game that they, 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 they distributed the football to uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, who obviously had the nine-yard touchdown catch. Uh, Damian Ratley had a catch. Dontra Hilliard had a catch. Jarvis Landry had a catch. Nick Chubb had a catch. Everybody, it seemed like, got their hands on the football. And I think that's when Baker Mayfield's at his best is when he's um, when he's sort of distributing to whoever it is and whoever's open. Not really, you know, not worrying about forcing the football. To, and I'm not saying he's forcing the football to, or he had been forcing the football to Odell Beckham, but you just kind of got to play. And I think that's when he's at his best. And, and I thought Mayfield for the day was really effective. You know, 20 of 30 um, for 342 yards, a touchdown, 
did have an interception. We'll talk about that. But a pretty efficient day. So the Browns uh, kick off scoring there. Yeah, I'm going to keep going through these playlists just as I always do. And um, it was a nice drive. 13 play, 84 yard drive. And a little penalty helped out. Uh, penalties went both ways. Humphreys penalty um, on, on an illegal contact downfield. Which it looked like Odell was trying to run a, a post curl. Probably ended up working out in his favor, but Humphrey didn't move out of the way. Then the really weird illegal blindside block. You just, um, you almost just have to like turn your back or shoot. It's almost like you have to set a pick. It's almost turning into those plays or you can't hit them. You have to really chest them up and block them because that was a nice run that was negated for a blindside block there. Um, put the Browns back to first and 25. And then we find Farrell Brown, which I should have mentioned, had a nice catch on that game during the game, and specifically that drive uh, for 18 yards, and they marched down the field a couple plays later, get a nice third and two pickup uh, out of a tight trip set to Dontra Hilliard. They throw a flat route. Mayfield recognizes they don't run with the flat, and uh, it's open for a nice chunk. Then two plays later, break a touchdown on a on – a, uh, that, that touchdown to, to Farrell Brown was – sorry, to Ricky Seals-Jones was on just a simple mesh concept – mesh sit they call that the uh, Philly mesh where uh, you take your two insides send them on a mesh pattern and then uh, sort of you can either take your inside or your outside depending on how you want to scheme it up you sit a guy down over the ball at nine yards so if they clear out chasing the meshes you have the curl wide open they did not uh, they covered Odell's uh, mesh route drag route there but they did not cover Farrell Brown and Baker found him touchdown so 13 plays 84 yards nice uh, opening score uh, the Browns Send it to Baltimore, who uh, themselves go on a nice. Uh, sorry, actually, it was a pretty quick drive. They they didn't they didn't push the ball downfield. That one that's the one that ended on the Demarius Randall sack, which was a nice play, a nice second effort after he missed him. Browns get it back. They go. Uh, they get a first down, but then they they end up punting. Then then Baltimore uh, gets it back. They end up having to put nice job by Freddie Kitchens. Uh, throwing that flag looked like the Browns had a real, you know, some sort of issue in cover two down the left sideline when Jackson found Chris Moore, but his left toe was out of bounds. The Browns caught a break there. Browns get it back again, and um, early second quarter is sort of the punt fest was going on at this time. They hit a nice play to Jarvis Landry for 18 yards. And then you get the turnover play, which is on third and three from the Ravens 48. It looks like an RPO where Mayfield's reading the uh, you know, sort of crept down safety. He's reading Tony Jefferson to his left. He's reading pressure off of his left side, too. He thinks he has the slant, but the Ravens jump it. The corner sort of is an off technique. He jumps the slant by, by Landry. I didn't think the slant was run very sharp. I think the RPO, if you look at it in the playbook and you watched it on film, it looks like Mayfield should have pulled and thrown this ball, but the Ravens did a nice job of jumping it. It did look like Jarvis quit the route a little bit, but in general, Mayfield has been throwing some of those RPOs that almost look like they're blind throws meaning he's kind of I'm not sure he's seeing everything that's going on there and he pulled that trigger too quick and that was a tough interception there when the Browns I thought were in a nice rhythm had just run for seven yards on second and ten but anyway it goes back to Baltimore um it looks like so Baltimore goes down the field seven plays 58 yards yeah that's where they get the nice long uh 29-yard Lamar Jackson scramble I know it was a read option run where Joe Schober got Sucked inside. Uh, unfortunately, he played he played run instead of playing pull. That opens up the loop scheme. And it looks like the Ravens were really running tight end movement. So they're split zoning it where they're reading the end and they're pulling the tight end. You would see the, pull, the pulling tight end out in front of the quarterback so often. 
and um, that was giving the Browns some headaches. They weren't slanting in the right direction up front, and I think that they were they were really struggling with that for a while. So uh, Baltimore scores there, seven seven under two minutes. Browns get it back, hit a hit a nice play on a on a, on a crosser. Uh, Mayfield steps up and hits uh, Landry crossing. Uh, looks like uh, maybe a square in, maybe just a regular in dig route type. Landry breaks one tackle from Tony Jefferson, and um, it's off to the races. He goes 65 yards down to the the Ravens' 22-yard line. Uh, it was a nice play, a great effort, and I can't say enough about Jarvis Landry. Just a just a fantastic game all around. Ends up pulling in, I think, 100. And, uh, let's check it here. He ends up pulling in 167 yards on eight catches, 10 total targets, 20.9-yard average. Had that 65-yard touchdown. Almost had. On that uh, little flip scheme, we'll talk about another, or well, not another, but an actual touchdown on the day. It's unfortunate he hasn't hasn't found the end zone yet. Nonetheless, just a just a gutty game. I mean, he controlled the middle of the field. It was obvious Baltimore wanted to take away Odell Beckham as much as they could and bracket him and do different things, and they they jumped his route. And the Browns took advantage of it. But Odell, or sorry, but Jarvis Landry was the best receiver on the field. They didn't have an answer for him. He just he killed Baltimore's zone coverage, which is what they love to play, and manipulated things in the middle of the field and had some just tough, gutty plays, those sort of effort, energy sorts of plays that have, have made him who he is in the NFL. And uh, that 65-yard catch was really, truly an embodiment of that. Uh, so going back to before half, the Browns get it down again and down to the 7-yard line after another uh, Mayfield to Landry throw that was just short on third and ten. I thought that spot was pretty bad, if you guys recall, on the left sideline there. I thought he reached out. I know it's where the ball goes out of bounds, but I thought he did a nice job of reaching out and making that play. But that's just uh, that's just me. I, I didn't think that they were in position to make that call in the first place. And when you're not in position, you leave them a yard short by sort of guessing where it goes out and then you can't overrule it because the angles aren't right. It's just it's unfortunate. You need to be in better position. Browns end up going for it on fourth and one, get a sneak, and it's theirs first and goal from the seven. Uh, try to throw a quick little under route. Uh, pick play to Hilliard gets knocked down. Mayfield scrambles right on play two. Have to get the all-22 guys to really see what's going on here. And then uh, an incomplete short pass on a little uh, sort of, I don't know, out return. People have different names for this route, but out, you know, Ratley runs a, an out at the goal line and then sort of turns it back inside, and Mayfield tries to put it on him. He probably left it a little too far inside, gets tipped, almost intercepted if uh, if somebody could run under that, but it wasn't, unfortunately. The Ravens player just missed it. So 24-yard field goal, go into halftime 10-7. to So uh, first half thoughts for me were just, I don't know. It was, the, it was kind of the game I was expecting, which was tight, tight, you know, tight, congested game in terms of, um, you know, both teams playing really sound defense, maintaining quarterbacks, putting them in uh, those positions they don't want to be in. The Browns' defense, which I'll get to that, they 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 just played phenomenal football. They they continue to uh, just just sort of have a way about them, which is you know play through their box players and then the secondary. Who's just played two really phenomenal games uh, with with without their two young corners and obviously Morgan Burnett was out. Demarius Randall was a big factor in my opinion coming back, but just you know the I can't speak enough about what Steve Wilkes is doing defensively. They created turnovers today, three created turnovers, a huge fumble, and uh, none of those turnovers happened here in the first half. But nonetheless, 
just just sort of kept Baltimore bottled up. We're, we're effective in getting into their run game, making them uncomfortable, uh, you know, and making Lamar make throws consistently. I think that's the big thing is making Lamar consistently make those underneath throws. He misses some here and there. They took advantage, and uh, they caught a couple little breaks, especially with that ball up the sideline, the toe being out of bounds. But that's what you have to do against good teams and uh, held them in check. I thought they did a nice job. Offensively, you could see that the rhythm was starting to come. Nick Chubb ran for about 40, 43, 44 yards in the first half. You could see that they had some things they were feeling good about. You know, when the coaches go into the locker room, they start talking about schemes they feel good about. The Browns felt good about laterally running, and this is something I noted, is their wide zone and pin-pull schemes would be really effective against Baltimore because, you know, Baltimore plays a really shallow box. They play, um, you know, guys on the on the, the, the dime and nickel defenders don't do a great job against the run. And I thought you could take advantage of, you know, issues with lateral speed with their linebackers. And I thought they started to notice that. And I was really looking forward to coming out in the second half and how they handled that. So, um, yeah, let's, let's uh, before we get to the second half, talk to you guys about ShipStation. Um, selling online, if you do anything that involves selling eBay, any of those things, ShipStation is the way to go. So getting your orders out can be a real pain, as we all know, time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from, UPS, USPS, all that. You don't know if you're making the best choice or not. ShipStation.com is here to make that easier for you. They're the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, keep your customers happy. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, whatever, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device. You can even do it from your cell phone, which in my opinion, so important to be able to do stuff on your mobile device when you're on the go. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, which I was talking about just a minute ago, USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best shipping option for you and find your solution that's best for your customer. And they even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for the large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, Browns Film Breakdown podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days. When you use offer code BLUE, short for Blue Wire, so B-L-U-E is the promo code, that's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter that that promo code B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, now we're on to the second half where things got crazy, right? The Browns come out. Uh, on defense, Ravens take the football. And this is where I started to feel like uh, Baltimore started to take control of this game. They hit chunk plays, um, and, and, and they were early and off, and they hit an 18-yard pass right off the rip to Miles Boykin, uh, a penalty on Devereaux Lawrence for holding, which uh, defensive holding along the interior means that you're holding somebody along the defensive interior. Maybe if you're being blocked by a guard, you're holding some other offensive lineman to prevent them from getting to the next level. Um, D, I think this is pretty common. It's tough to call. You have to really see it in the in the spur of the moment. But they called it uh, 17 yard uh, and then 18 yards on the next two plays. A scramble by Lamar Jackson and a run by Mark Ingram. And I was thinking to myself, it feels like the Ravens have something serious going here. But the Browns do hold. Uh, you know, a couple of Lamar Jackson runs, a sack by Larry Ogunjobi, and uh, a short pass that was incomplete. And it's 10-10. They kick a field goal because Justin Tucker is like. 
he never misses. It's ridiculous. The guy's as automatic as I can't even say I've ever witnessed him miss a kick. What you know, luxury that is. Although Austin Seibert, the guy's kicking his butt off. He hasn't he hasn't missed a single kick. He missed one PAT, the first PAT of the year. After that, this guy's been really good. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. But this guy has been really good, and uh, I'm I'm you know it's promising. So. Browns get it back early here, uh, still in the you know early parts of the third quarter. It's it's uh, it's starting to feel like 10-10. Baltimore could take this football game over, but second play in it's uh, it's a second and eight. The Browns run a just a square in combination uh, from on the right side of the formation with a, with a seam route by Ricky Seals Jones, and and for some reason Baltimore bites up on the. Uh, on the, on the square in with two people, the 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 squatting, um, you know, Rob safety, robber safety comes down and jumps the square in for Modell, and that leaves Seals Jones up the up the, you know, up the hash wide open and against cover three, and it's a 59 yard gain. It's uh, it's an easy pitch and catch, and and Seals Jones is off to the races. He's a lumbering guy, gets it all the way down to the uh, 27 yard lines for Earl Thomas catches him. Uh, sorry, the Baltimore 14. Then the next play, which is one I wrote about. You guys will be able to find this on the OBR. I wrote about four Nick Chubb runs. This is one of the first ones. They just run wide zone off the right side from the 14-yard line, and uh, Nick Chubb has the option to, 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 to bounce it. He's reading you know, the, the tackle-guard combination in front of him. The tackle's going to take the end, and if the, if the end uh, is, is a wide player, a force player, he's just going to push him laterally. If he's a, an inside player, he can hook him. He's going to turn him to, to seal the corner. He pushes him. Chris Hubbard pushes him. And you get a great double team from Cush and Treader working to the uh, front side shade and uh, you know Mike Linebacker. And then the back side, you get a great block from Joel Batonio. Uh, as, and then you know the back side, uh, Greg Robinson makes a nice block on the back side too. And you know, Nick Chubb has the option. He can he can bounce, bang, or bend, and he bends it all the way to the backside and just elite, elite vision to bounce it. He had a hole uh, in the bang path right in front of his face, and he could have taken it, but Earl Thomas was sitting there. Sorry, Tony Jefferson was sitting right there, and then the backside three technique was working across Joel Batonio's face. It would have probably been a five- or six-yard gain, but that doesn't make it, you know, and that's fine. Like a five- or six-yard gain there is fine. But then you have those guys like Nick Chubb who have that elite vision, elite feel, who can bounce this ball. He bounces it all the way. He notices the backside end is a little high, puts his right foot in the ground, bounces it all the way to the backside, and makes an unbelievable cut. Makes two guys miss, makes a third miss in space, and then just simply walks into the end zone all the way back on the opposite hash. Really ridiculous run from Nick Chubb, and that's when you started to feel like this guy's pretty dialed in. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was great to see. I, I I can't say enough about how well Nick Chubb played. This is the guy that we thought we were getting this year, and he's been fine. I think he's been he's been fine. Um, but this is the sort of elite guy we saw the last half of last year, and it was on display. Ravens get the ball back down 17-10. They're pushing the ball down the field. Gains of 9, 9, 8, 4, 10. They have it down to the Browns 35. And then, I don't know, probably one of the top five plays of the game. They, they run Ingram on a read option, um, you know, simple read-veer scheme. And he's gaining six yards. Uh, held up getting spun around and, and Jermaine Whitehead who listen Jermaine White has been one of the worst players on the Browns defense and really their roster uh, one of the worst graded secondary players in the league but he played very well today 
and I commend him for that. He didn't have any of the bonehead uh, roughing the passer or late hit penalties he's been coming up with in the first three weeks. He knocks, he puts his shoulder down right before Ingram gets down to the ground and knocks the football loose. And uh, Chad Thomas recovers that football, and it's a big momentum swing because the Browns come out and uh, just push the football down the field quickly. They they have a 17-yard gain. Now, this 17-yard gain is the second play I broke down, which is the first of the identical scheme that later went for 88 yards. It's literally just a pin pull where they're pulling the center and play side guard, kicking out the end or the first guy off the edge, which is probably going to be a walked-up or dime or sorry nickel uh, defender. They, they, they take care of him with a kick block. They, they use 12 personnel, which the Browns went much more 12 personnel. They used more tight ends. I think people ask me, why did they do that? You know, in my opinion, they said, we're not getting it done with 11 personnel. These guys might be some of our best players, but we got to give these tight ends a chance. Even without David Njoku, they did that and uh, reaped those benefits today because Pharaoh Brown and uh, Demetrius Harris on this play block their butts off, seal the right side. It's a 17-yard gain, and you could you could see it. I could see that this is a scheme that they're going to really like and come back to, and they did uh, later on. But in this drive, for this sake, they go 17 yards, and then on third and five, hit Ricky Seals-Jones again on a little uh, back shoulder throw up the right sideline. That guy played his butt off, and... You know Arizona let him walk, and that's if for Cleveland. That's a that's a great tight end three right now. If Seals Jones keeps playing the way he's playing, consistently catching the football, uh, the Browns do overcome some sort of a weird situation. First and ten, they get a holding call down at the Baltimore thirty-eight. Backs him up. First and twenty, they run a screen pass to Hilliard that pops for nineteen yards. Nice timing, which the Browns ran the screen much more effectively. Less predictable situations, more first downs, more second downs, better patience. The screen game when running backs are involved, it's all about patience. You have to, you can't be in a hurry as a lineman to get out and run because then defensive linemen get a feel for you getting out. As a running back, you have to sell block initially, creep out late because if you again, if you if you are a hurry to run the screen, it's never effective. Defensive players sniff it out, and that's what the Rams were doing late last week. They were sniffing out screen game, but the Browns were better this week. I will commend them on that. Anyway, on this screen play, they gain 19 yards, but this is when the fighting starts to take off. I mean, Odell and 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 uh, Marlon Humphrey went after each other. It looked like Odell threw a punch before the choking incident happened and the play before that Odell was getting physical. Listen, I think I think there's no reason to say that Odell doesn't get frustrated when he's not getting the football. It did not negatively impact how he played, but I think if somebody, like if you remember the Josh Norman incident from years ago, uh, if somebody's really, really physical with him and he, they're holding him and they're grabbing him and they're frustrating him and he's not getting the football and he doesn't feel like the flags are being thrown... This is where he starts to get chippy, and he got chippy two plays in a row. Humphrey got tired of it. I think the choking incident on the ground, which the ref is simply staring at, and Sean Hockley said after the game, like, we we saw it, but we didn't think it was a necessary to throw a player. I think it's pretty rough to be able to be on top of a player choking them and getting, I don't know. Listen, Odell probably had it coming. He threw the punch before that, but at the same time, if you're, it just it just feels like, and Freddie Kitchens was pissed off about it after the game, like if you're just watching that, it's uh, you know, it's I just feel like that should be a disqualified type penalty. But again, that's just one man's opinion who sits behind a keyboard anyway. So it goes back now, first and twenty again. The Browns do a couple nice chunk plays, two of them, and I gotta rewatch some of these. But a twelve yard gain to Landry and a twenty nine yard gain to Landry. Now the twenty nine yard gain on uh, on third and three was just a fantastic scheme. 
I'm going to write this up. The Browns had two fun trick plays. I would consider this little shovel option um, to be a trick play, and it was just really felt like Freddie from 2018. And, uh, you know, they do a great job high-motioning uh, Odell over the top. They they flip the shovel pass underneath to Landry, and he has the option to pitch. He stretches it beautifully laterally, threatening the pitch, which holds the corner. He's able to turn the corner, almost gets it into the end zone. Browns get it down to the two-yard line, uh, which it's it's now uh, 58 seconds left in the third quarter, and then they simply just run a, a play-side G-kick scheme and – uh, with with a fullback involved, obviously the Browns went went uh, unbalanced. Brought in Justin McCray off le- off the left side, did a nice job of washing down. Uh, it looks like I think it looks like Betonio was the kickout, and then up and through comes Farrell Brown as the fullback. And Chubb makes one beautiful cut, which again this is in the OBR piece. Makes one jump cut, stretches it just a little bit laterally, and scores again. Another running back would just barrel into traffic, but he presses it inside. Jump cuts outside, sets up the block for Farrell Brown. All of a sudden, he's got just enough wiggle room to score, and it is 24-10 Browns. Now, before we get to the fourth quarter, I'm going to come back at you guys talking about a company I've talked about before, Indochino Custom Wear. They were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on custom wardrobe. I'm a believer in that. They do a great job. I've used them through Blue Wire, gotten the discount myself as a Browns Film Breakdown listener myself, you need to feel good in a suit, and the most important thing about a suit is that it fits right. If it doesn't fit right, you feel disgusting. Got the long sleeves, baggy pants. This is what Indochino's here to fight. They're the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they're affordable. Almost all of their clothing is under $400, and if you know anything about suits, that's cheap. Process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered to your door within just two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online if you know how to measure yourself. You don't have to waste your time going anywhere. So start your style upgrade now with $30 off. That's a nice deal. $30 off your purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com. All you got to do is enter Blue Wire at checkout plus free shipping, which is also important. It's going to save you even more. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. Don't waste time, guys. Go to Indochino.com. Get this deal. You really have no excuse anymore not wearing clothes that fit. You have to. All you got to do, go to Indochino.com, get measured. It's easy process. You can do it yourself. Go to Indochino.com, put those measurements in, get the suit that fits right, look sharp, win-win for everybody. Now, on to the fourth quarter, because this is where things got really interesting as the Browns are up 24-10. Baltimore then... After going down 24-10, goes on a long, drawn-out drive, right? They go on a 14-play, 75-yard drive that, uh, again, it, it's just it's hard. I will say this. It's hard to keep Baltimore down. They block the, the, the veer and their read option uh, stuff so well, and, and Lamar is such a threat to run at any given moment. It is just really challenging to defend them. They end up throwing... A touchdown, um, you know, all the way down with about 9.55 left was the time on the clock. Looks like the Browns had a miscommunication. Demarius Randall, Joe Schobert, uh, somebody should have sat back there and run with uh, run with Mark Andrews up the seam. Nobody did. Uh, I'm not sure what the coverage was. Again, we'll have to see the All-22, but somebody should have carried because those two were looking at each other confused. 
I'm not even going to speculate on which one it should have been. Probably Demarius Randall, but we'll get to that later. But anyway, the Ravens then, uh, you know, push the Browns offside on on the first setup of the of the two point conversion. They end up getting it on a, on an off tackle play. And it's 24-18, and it just sort of felt like this might be that annoying game where the Ravens end up scoring again and winning 25-24. But this is not the same old Browns situation. Next, uh, you know, the you know, obviously the Ravens punt. Uh, sorry, kickoff to the Browns, and and the Browns first play from. Listen, I gotta say this too. I, I need the Browns. I understand that the Ravens are kicking it right to the one-yard line, but let it go. Be there to bottle it up or fair catch it or whatever. I think the NFL, there's the rule that you can fair catch it and still get it out to 25. If not, disregard me. But I know there's there's got to be a way. Let the, let the damn ball go into the end zone and get it to the 25. The Browns are consistently taking kicks at the one-yard line or inside the end zone and returning them out and getting the ball like... This drive starts at the 17. I'm going to go back and count this up and put it on Twitter, and everyone's going to laugh. It's just annoying to me that they're returning kicks when they could easily get the football at the 25-yard line every time without risking a penalty. They don't have any game-breakers at kick returner. Just literally take the ball at the 25. That's all you have to do. They're putting themselves behind the eight ball all game, and it was really pissing me off because they did it again. They get a false start on Demetrius Harris, and it's first and 15 from the 12. The crowd's going crazy. Now, thankfully, they run and executed. They run and execute this pin pull to perfection, and they break this for an 88-yard touchdown. This is beautiful. Breaking it down was beautiful. They had an unbelievable wide zone setup here from the backside, where Eric Cush fights his butt off to block the shade, which is a really tricky block to to have to cut off a backside shade who's already on your inside, and he fights his butt off to to cut him off. For some reason, Tony Jefferson, Patrick Onuwosar for the Ravens fly outside. Nick Chubb reads it beautifully, cuts up inside of his two pulling pin pull blockers, and um, it's off to the races. Now, if you watch it, the breakdown of that play, you're going to see the backside cutoff by Greg Robbins, who does a fantastic job. There's that saying, and I wrote this too, that the that the that front side blocks win championships or front side blocks get first downs. But the backside blocks are what spring touchdowns and what spring uh, championships, in my opinion. And Greg Robinson does just enough of getting a piece of the middle linebacker, Kenny Young, and that's enough to spring Chubb at the second level to run away from him at the right angle, and uh, it's off to the races. It's in the house, and uh, it's it's at that point 30-18, and just a fantastic, you know, Nick Chubb is faster than he's given credit for you know, on video games or whatever, but his his 22-mile-per-hour speed was the fastest sustained run in the NFL this year, and um, it's just a straight-line burner and a fantastic player. The next series, the Ravens come out, uh, end up going down, uh, getting getting one – no, they actually don't even get one first down. They end up on third and six. They decide to run the football with inside zone on third and six, and it leaves a fourth and three, and for some reason it looked like there was a miscommunication between Mark Andrews on his flat route that he turned into a wheel – the ball was thrown behind him on the on the flat route, and he turned it up into a wheel, and it's it's the Browns ball at Baltimore 31. Now the Browns don't do much with it; they 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 only gain six yards, but they kick a field goal 33-18. Ravens get the football back, um, and and then they throw a pick with with 6:02 left. Just a hell of a play, running his deep half and and running over the top to help out Joe Schobert on that uh 
on that interception there at the goal line. It was a deep ball, deep middle throw from the Baltimore 46 and ended up down near the goal line, but a hell of a play by Jermaine Whitehead, who was, who was directly involved in three turnovers because, you know, the Browns get it there, have to punt it. You're inside of five minutes left, and uh, Jackson's going to throw again, and he gets hit by, by Whitehead, and it's picked off by Devereaux Lawrence down at the 39. Browns get it again, and um, like I said, at the 39, have a nice little six-play 39-yard drive that culminates with a, a Dontrell Hilliard one-yard touchdown. And that guy played well, too. He had 50 yards on nine touches, 19 yards of which was wiped out on that screenplay that were no fault of his own. Dontrell Hilliard, now back healthy, is a is a really nice player. I think that is the Duke Johnson-ish type player that they thought he would be filling in that role, and he really looked comfortable today um, and, and was just really effective. Now, Baltimore throws a couple you know big chunk plays, end up scoring a touchdown to make it 40-25. to 25. But, man, just, just a hell of an effort. I know I kind of go through these rambling, but – um, you know, statistically, guys that stand out, I've talked about Mayfield. He only ended up getting sacked um, one time, which was fantastic. That first series, he, you know, gets sacked. Uh, otherwise, his decision-making seemed really sound to me outside of the interception. And, uh, you know, a ton to be proud of offensively. Three catches, 82 yards for Ricky Seals-Jones. Fantastic stuff. Talked about Landry already. Odell ends up with two for 20, but they targeted him seven times. They're going to keep targeting him. He'll be... Uh, He'll be fine. He'll continue to be the factor we expect him to be. Damien Ratley, not a bit, not as good a game as last week. Thought he he missed a couple opportunities, had a couple penalties that he cannot have. As he's fighting for snaps going into next week, as obviously Antonio Callaway is back, and and um, you would think Rashard Higgins would be back too. He's gonna have to be. Uh, he can't play air football like we saw today. So um, tough, tough, tough sledding for him for Baltimore. Lamar throws 24 of 34, 247, three touchdowns. Uh, the last touchdown's interesting. Couple interceptions. I didn't think he was an effective downfield thrower. He's actually really struggling on downfield throws the last two games, and I think it correlates to the quality of which uh, you know the defense he's playing, the defenses he is playing correlate there. Willie Sneed had a touchdown catch in 61 yards. Nobody had more than four catches. Seth Roberts, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown all had four catches. Uh, but but they were all in the 30s, 36 yards for Roberts, 31 for Andrews, and 22 for uh, for for Hollywood Brown, and they held him in check. You had to hold Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown in check, and the Browns did so. I thought they did a nice job. The, the, those two players, who were their only two players who were above 200 yards receiving on the year, nobody else was above 100, and those two guys, you know, went for a, a combined. 53 yards, which is just fantastic. Eight catches, 53 yards. The Browns' secondary continues shorthanded without Burnett, without Greedy, without Ward, uh, continues to play their butt off. Joe Schober with 17 combined tackles. You would expect that in a run-heavy scheme. Two tackles for loss, a quarterback hit, and a sack. That guy's playing well. He's trending himself to a nice contract, and Cleveland is going to have to keep him here. He played fantastic football today. Jermaine Whitehead had eight total tackles. Um, seven solo and just one assist, but he also had an interception, a pass defended, a quarterback hit, and a forced fumble. Um, you know, it's tough not to give him your defensive MVP. He played his butt off. Mac Wilson had seven tackles. TJ Carey, seven tackles. Larry Ogunjobi had four and a uh, and a sack. Demarius Randall and Olivier Vernon pops up with a couple tackles and a sack, too, and a couple quarterback hits. I thought he was a nice, nice presence for them. Um, and uh, that was nice to see. And, and and we'll get into some of the stock up, stock down guys. I thought the depth of the the offense, the defensive line really showed up. 
uh, Chad Thomas making a you know a pop play, Devro Lawrence making a couple plays in the backfield, obviously gets an interception. Thought those guys played better. Talked about the secondary, the corners played fine. I didn't hear much from Terrence Mitchell, but usually that's an okay thing. Not much popped off. Offensively, the offensive line and Nick Chubb and Dontrell Hilliard, that group between the seven of them played their butts off. And Mayfield played well too. And when Mayfield plays like this, they have a chance week in and week out. And he was he was sharp, crisp, stepping up into the pocket, found some comfort. The offensive line was good. And when that happens, they can beat anybody in the NFL. There's not a doubt in my mind. So um, they're going to carry that in. A tough stretch of games. They obviously go, San Francisco had a bye, so they go to San Francisco on Monday with a very rested 49ers team who's who's going to be ready for them. It's a three-and-a-half-point spread, 49ers favor right now. Understandably, they're calling that a toss-up, traveling West Coast. It'll be a tough game for the Browns. I think they're more talented without a doubt, but it's going to be a tough game, tough environment against a 3-0 and team that's playing well defensively. And um, it should be a fascinating Monday night game to watch. The last Monday night game for the Browns, they could get something flexed. If they win, they play they play Seattle. That could get flexed into Sunday night, but that will be fun. So they got to look at three game stretch here. That's tough. You know, they play uh, two good teams that are on the West Coast. One comes to Cleveland and Seattle. They go to San Francisco. Then they get a bye. Then they go to New England, and that'll be a challenge because New England's obviously four and zero. Another win. Um, at Buffalo, and, and it's New England. It's tough. It's going to be a big primetime game at 4.15 or 4.25, whatever that kick is with Nance and company. It'll be fun. Those three games, though, if they can come out of this, or 2-2, two and two, if they can come out of this 3-4, and 4-3, four, four and three, uh, something along those lines, heading into the last half of the year, which has Pittsburgh twice, has Miami, has Arizona, has Cincinnati twice, another game with Baltimore, a ton of winning opportunities in that second half of the year. If they can come out of this, again, three and four, four and five, even, God forbid, they, they were able to take a couple, you know, five and two, who knows. The, the, everything they want is in front of them, and if they play like they did today with the offensive bounce and defense getting you know taking advantage of takeaways, they can beat anybody, and they're in their groove. They're settled in. They're going to get some guys back from injury, and um, you should be excited. I'm excited for where this is going. They're 2-2, two and two, even after the debacle that felt like the early season was with some opportunities that got away. They're on top of the division. Don't do the revisionist history stuff. They're 2-2. Two and two. They have the division game win over Baltimore. Feel good about it. I feel good about it. They have great opportunities in front of them, and their quarterback finally looks settled in and comfortable, and the play caller that we all expected to be here put those staples out that he's really comfortable doing and has excelled at and got him this job. Feel good, Browns fans. I'm telling you. Feel good. We'll come back later this week. I'll have Kevin Jones on, the founder of Blue Wire. He's a former Browns writer. We'll talk about the 49ers, how the Browns can attack them. Give you good content this week on how the hell the Browns put up 40 points, starting with the run game tomorrow morning. Talk about the trick plays. I want to dive into some of the defense, too, so we'll get to that side. I appreciate and love that you guys actually listen to me. It still blows my mind that we have over a 1,000 listeners on every podcast I do. I can't believe it. You guys are the best. Any advice, any guess, anything, I'm always open to it. Shoot them over to me at Browns Film Breakdown at Browns Film BDN or my at Jake underscore Burns 18 uh, Twitter handle. Let's talk football. Let's talk the Browns. I'm always up for it. I appreciate your your subscriptions, your love on social media, all of that stuff, guys. And uh, it's exciting time. It's exciting time where the Browns are right in the thick of it. They're the first time they've won in Baltimore since 2015. Before that, it was 2007. They're doing things here. They're going to keep setting the standards. This is their first division lead this far into a season, and 
I don't even know. I saw something crazy. I couldn't tell you the year, but it's been a while. So it's there for them. Everything they wanted is still right in front of them. So be excited. We'll come at you guys later this week. Thanks for listening as usual. And go Browns. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.